Banter and Bullying, brought to you by Assemble You. It's time to work on you, so sit back and listen to practical, actionable advice to accelerate your progress. In this track, we'll discuss banter and bullying. We'll pin down the definitions before highlighting the line between them and what it looks like to cross that line. We'll also identify actions you should take if you are the victim or have observed other victims of workplace bullying. According to the Trade Union Congress, nearly a third of adults have been bullied at work. But what is the difference between banter and bullying? Does it come down to intent, how well you know the individual, or whether you're just being sensitive? And who ultimately judges this? You, your bully, a senior employee, HR? Well, banter can be defined as the playful and friendly exchange of teasing remarks. In contrast, bullying is to seek to harm, intimidate or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. They sound very different, yet they're often two interpretations of the same events. Whether a bully truly believes it or not, you've probably heard one respond that it was just banter at some point. So it may be unsurprising that in a survey of 3,000 young people, 51% felt that banter is sometimes used as an excuse for bullying compared to 33% who didn't. It might be helpful to imagine banter and bullying on a spectrum. Banter is on the positive end. It's supposed to be friendly and fun. Bullying, of course, is on the opposite end. It's demoralising and hurtful. At some point on this spectrum, behaviour crosses the line between banter and bullying. The critical thing to remember is that you don't choose where that line is for someone else. Just because it feels like banter to you, if the effect is that someone feels bullied, and yet you continue to engage in the same behaviour, you're bullying them. So it is imperative to understand where the line is for an individual. Your intent won't always determine someone's response, and your attempt at a joke may not be received how you intended. You need to know when banter is acceptable, and why it is essential to be careful with your choice of words. If you do, you'll be more inclusive and help foster a positive environment for those around you. You can never be in the minds of others to feel how your words impact them. What we can try to do, though, is understand people more and why it is good to be careful with your choice of words. What some of your friends may be comfortable with does not define your other friends. In the British Journal of School Nursing, Martha Evans recalled when an individual in training stated, The difference is, if I call you a bad name when I don't know you, that's bullying. But if I call my mate here a bleep, then that's banter, because he's my mate. The actual distinction between bullying and banter is more nuanced than this. Nevertheless, let's analyse this statement and see if we can draw any truths or understand why that statement was made. In friendship, there is comfort, a tacit understanding that you do not wish to cause one another harm or offence. With banter, the intent is playful, rather than to cause insult or be degrading. That is an unspoken rule, which requires both individuals to engage with it. So, when does banter become bullying? Often it can happen when two people are not on the same page regarding their behaviour they each consider friendly. Suppose one individual, we'll call them person A, engages in this banterish behaviour with most of their friends, whereas person B does not. Person A may naturally engage in the same bantering they're used to with friends, but that can lead to person B feeling uncomfortable. They may also feel forced to respond in kind, as they want to be accepted, or as Bridget Delaney writes for The Guardian, 
They don't want to cause a fuss or start a fight. For many, this experience of feeling like we have to engage in banter stems from childhood. A 2019 study from Gaetel found that bullies aged 11 to 16 scored highly for perceived popularity. In contrast, victims of bullying were ranked the lowest in social preference. So it's not surprising that rather than appear to be victimised, the subject of the bullying would instead attempt to play it off as consensual banter. Often, that leads to lack of punishment, which further incentivizes the bully to engage in the same behaviour. The study's findings also showed that peers socially rewarded those engaging in bullying for their victimisation of others. That appears to be a universal issue in the schooling system and is predictive of some behavioural traits of people in the workplace. So considering these behaviour patterns, it is clear how the bully-victim dynamic can become a continuous loop. Returning to the earlier example, if person A makes these banterish comments, whether person B is on board with them or not, the line between banter and bullying is quickly crossed. Furthermore, if the attempted banter intentionally and repeatedly targets insecurities, it's not banter at all, it's bullying. Bullying manifests in many forms, from verbal conflicts, attempting to make the target feel inferior to you, to acts of physical violence. Perhaps that's one of the main areas in which banter and bullying diverge in their definitions. Sarah Bouglas points out that though banter can be defined as bullying when it is not positively received, it can also be engaged in without positive intentions. In this aspect, if we were to have a Venn diagram of where banter and bullying intersected, it would be the middle part, where the banter itself is simply toxic behaviour. However, this is not to say we should never engage in banter. We just need to be careful with the application and know when it is suitable. Matthew Alexander states that banter can help enhance social cohesion, intended to be a fun activity for all participants. Ensuring that everyone involved is genuinely having fun and that you aren't crossing the line from banter to bullying is as important as trying to have fun together. Interestingly though, bullies often see their actions as mere banter or will argue when confronted about it that they were just being playful or having fun. This notion of not understanding the consequences of one's actions and how they can impact others can be a hallmark of bullying behaviour, especially when the behaviour is unprofessional conduct. Hiding responsibility for it under the guise of banter ignores the critical issues. So, what can you do in your day-to-day life to avoid engaging in bullying and help prevent bullying of others. In the workplace, the best thing if a colleague is bullying you or someone else is to raise it with someone who can make an immediate change. That may be a manager, HR, or an impartial senior party. If your company offers an employee handbook, check if it provides an appropriate recommendation. The action we'd like you to take from this is to reflect on how and why you interact with your different groups of friends and colleagues in different ways. Think about how you interact with some of your oldest friends compared to people you've just met. Try to pinpoint why you act differently and where you draw the line between fun banter and bullying behaviour. Perhaps try to think back to a time when you felt uncomfortable with how somebody spoke to you, whether at home or in the workplace. What about that situation reaches out to you as crossing the line? What do you wish they'd done differently in their interactions with you that you could take from that experience to lead to better interactions with others? That's all for today. Thanks for listening and remember, keep building the best you.